Welcome to the Study On Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Bauman, and I am passionate about Bible study. Friend, my journey has not been an easy one. I am a trauma and abuse survivor, and I still walk with a limp. But I also walk in freedom, because as I've studied God's Word, He has released me from layers of shame and invited me into a life filled with an abundance of His peace, joy, rest, and hope. I'm transformed because I study the Bible, and my heart's desire is to create offerings that help you get and stay in your Bible so you experience that transformation too. So thank you for spending a few minutes with me. Maybe it's as you enjoy your coffee or with pen and notebook ready, or you're driving to work or walking the dog from wherever you are in your day. Let's dive deep into a verse of scripture together. So we walk steady on. Let's get started. Welcome, friend. Today, we're going to talk about baptism using my step-by-step Bible study method. We're going to study Acts 19.3a. And step-by-step is an inductive Bible study tool that focuses on one word in one verse of scripture to find life application. If you'd like to study along or learn more, you'll find links in the show notes today for a study sheet and the step-by-step masterclass videos. Acts 19.3a in the NIV says, so Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? So this week on the Christian calendar, we recognize baptism of the Lord Sunday, and we celebrate baptism of the Lord on the first Sunday after the epiphany of our Lord, which falls on January 6th. Baptism of the Lord was yesterday, if you happen to be listening live, and on it we celebrate Jesus' baptism as well as our own. It foreshadows the season of Lent, as Jesus was immediately driven into the wilderness for 40 days after his own baptism. One of the lectionary readings for Baptism of the Lord is Acts 19, 1 through 7, and I selected the first part of verse 3 from that passage as our verse for today. Again, Acts 19, 3a in the NIV says, So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Some information about the book of Acts. It is the story of the early church as Jesus' disciples carry the gospel to different parts of the world. When I've taught the book of Acts, which I have done a couple of different times, I use Acts 1.8 as the key verse. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The author of the book is Luke. He is also the author of the Gospel of Luke. He was a physician and a friend of Paul's. The date of the writing is around AD 60 to 62. In chapter 19, it has 41 verses, and it's where we learn about Paul in Ephesus. And we're talking today about a section where Paul distinguishes between the baptism of John and baptism in the name of Jesus. So one more time, Acts 19, 3a says, so Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Step one in the Bible study method is to choose our word, and our word today is baptism. The definition of baptism is it is a Christian sacrament by which one is received into a church and sometimes given a name, generally involving the candidate to be anointed with or submerged in water. So a sacrament, you may know this, but it's kind of like one of those churchy words, right? A sacrament is a sacred act, and most churches 
recognize two sacraments, at least some recognize more, but almost all Christian denominations recognize baptism and communion as sacraments. Some synonyms of the word baptism are things like purification, sanctification, absolution, salvation, atonement, rebirth, and consecration. Some antonyms are things like break, denial, divorce, and neglect. Step two is investigate. We divide that up into four parts. Part one is to compare our word in other translations. I only found one. I found that the CJB used immersed. Part two is to research the original word. The Strong's number is G0907, baptizo. It means to make whelmed or fully wet. It is a derivative of G0911. Again, it means to whelm, to cover wholly with a fluid, also to moisten a part of one's person, or by implication, to stain as with a dye. I kind of like that, like our baptism stains us, but in the best way, right? Like it's something that's on you that you can't get off. You think of a a shirt or something like that, that have you ever had a shirt have an ink spot on it? I mean, you just don't get every once in a while, my husband, not so much anymore, but he used to leave a pen in his dress shirt. And then that pen sometimes would leak and have this little spot on this white dress shirt. Well, there was no getting that out, right? Like it was just, it was just in there. And I think about that, like with our baptism, when we make a profession of faith and we make a public direct, um, a public um, declaration, sorry, a public declaration that this is the commitment that we're making. And it's like a It's like a stain of God's love and acceptance that we wear, but instead of it being something that we wish weren't there, it's something that we're so, so grateful that we cannot get out or off, right? The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says this word in later writings was used to mean to sink the ship or to sink or to suffer shipwreck, to drown, to perish, to go under. And this goes with that idea of whelmed or being overwhelmed. But while these things like the stain, those things are difficult and damaging, the whelming of baptism or the stain of baptism is goodness it is grace, it is love, it is forgiveness, it is acceptance. And I, for one, am absolutely delighted about the prospect of being overwhelmed by forgiveness, overwhelmed by accept, like I'm drowning in it, I'm going down in it, right? Like what a glorious thought that is. Part three in the investigate step is to read some commentary And as we look into commentary, let's just talk a little more about the question on the table. Okay, so why is Paul even asking this question in Acts 19? So the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus and he meets some believers and asks them if they've received the Holy Spirit when they believed. And they reply to him, we don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so then Paul says, well, what baptism did you receive? And they tell Paul, we received John's baptism. And Paul teaches them that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he invites them to believe in the one who came after John, which is Jesus. And then they're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit does come on them. So that's why he's even asking the question. And I think that's important at this point to kind of mention, like, what is even going on here, right? That this question is being raised. And so with that in mind, 
The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this about this verse, that John's ministry was anticipatory and Christ's is the fulfillment of all things. So they were sort of baptized in a way that meant they were still looking for the answer, right? The answer is coming. And Paul's able to come into their life and say, actually, the answer is Jesus and I can baptize you fully. I can baptize you in the answer rather than in the anticipation of, right? Oh, that's a beautiful thought. Uh, one of the commentaries said the point of contrast is not between John and Christ personally, but between the water baptism of John unto repentance and the promised baptism of the spirit from the hands of his coming master unto new life. The New Bible Commentary says these people had received a baptism of repentance, which in itself is a good thing, but they did not yet seem to know anything about Jesus. There's a question for us in this too, and that is what baptism have we received? Now, it's not the difference between a baptism of John and a baptism of Jesus, maybe, but is it one of ceremony or is it one that overwhelms us? If you've been baptized, you're baptized. But as we celebrate the baptism of the Lord on the Christian calendar, and it is a time that invites us to remember our own baptisms and live in them more fully, remember we have been baptized into the family of God, and we can live as full members of that family. We are children of God. As children, we have the rights to inheritance, and the, that inheritance includes, I say this so often, you might get sick of it, but I don't think, you, hopefully you don't, <laughs> that includes an overwhelming peace, that includes joy and hope and love and rest, like we are invited to claim those gifts as our inheritance as a part of God's family. And so I just encourage you, have you been baptized and checked the box? Or are you overwhelmed by the forgiveness, the acceptance, the mercy, the love of Jesus Christ for you? Hopefully most of us, right, are somewhere in between those things. But are we moving more and more and more towards the overwhelm? of God's goodness to us in our lives. And friend, if you haven't been baptized, I just encourage you to consider whether that might be a good next step for you on your journey with Jesus. I'd love to talk to you about it. Email me, reach out. We'll talk about it. Part four in the investigate step is to rewrite this verse in our own words. Again, it says, so Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And I rewrote that verse kind of as a question to myself. I put, Angie, are you living in your baptism? One that forgives and redeems you. One that calls you into ministry and gifts you to do the ministry you're called to. How can you more fully walk into the acceptance you've been offered? One of the things that I think about in my life that I spent years doing, and I'm still tempted to do it sometimes, is not embracing the acceptance of 
Christ, not embracing that fully and really believing that I belonged. I've said this so many times before that the enemy's most effective lie in my life has been, remember, Angie, you'll never belong anywhere. And that comes from a lot of trauma and rejection in my past. And that past hasn't changed and will not change. But one of the things that has changed is my understanding that God's acceptance is bigger than man's rejection, right? And I can live as an accepted individual, even if there are people in the world, because there will always be people in the world who do not accept me. But I can choose to believe that I am fully accepted and embraced as a child of the Most High, regardless of what is going on in my circumstances, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what text I received or what this or that, right, um, that indicated that maybe I wasn't enough for someone or something like that. Um, But I can live in the knowledge that I am fully accepted by God and that I'm a work in progress because he's always helping me become more and more like him. But that doesn't have any impact on the fact that I am an all completely, wonderfully, wholly accepted daughter of the king. Step three in the method is to find the characteristics of God. And I put that God is a good parent. And this is one of the reasons in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, which documents Jesus's baptism. I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture, just 16 and 17 from Matthew 3. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. As God was pleased with Jesus's decision to dedicate his earthly life to God's plans, right? I am all in with this. I'm going to live my life as God asks me to live my life. As Jesus did that and God was pleased with him, so he is pleased with us as we are his sons and daughters, right? This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Do you know that the banner over you is a love that's from Song of Solomon's, maybe verse three, I mean, chapter three. I don't know if that's exactly where it is, but it says his banner over me is love. And I just imagine that as Jesus came out of the water and God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, that he also looks upon us and puts this banner over love over us, right? And says, this is my daughter. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I love that about God. I also put as a characteristic of God, exceeding joy, because I can remember my baptism, even though I don't have a memory of my baptism. Like I was baptized when I was an infant, so I don't actually remember it. But remembering my baptism, remembering that I am an accepted part of God's family brings me great joy. Step four in the method is to identify the lie of the enemy. And I just have one that we're going to talk about here for just a few minutes. And I put your baptism isn't right or their baptism isn't right. Okay. Listen, baptism can be a big issue. I have been a local church pastor for almost 20 years. So believe me, I have heard it when it comes to baptism. And the primary concern that I hear 
is about the decision of whether or not baptizing infants. And I just said that I was baptized as an infant, whether baptizing infants or dedicating infants is the right way to go. Some people feel like a child or a young person needs to make their own declaration for baptism rather than having someone else make that decision for them. And so I have no agenda here with trying to convince anyone who's listening one way or another, but I would like to take just a second and explain the difference between infant baptism and not infant baptisms. The enemy uses this to divide us, and it's really not as big an issue as what a lot of people think that it is. This is my personal opinion. The difference in those baptisms is what form of grace we are celebrating. So hang with me just for a minute here. I'm going to give you just a little a little theology lesson. If we're in a church that baptizes infants, then we are celebrating God's provenient grace in the life of that infant. Okay, provenient grace is the grace that is present before we're even aware of it, before we have any knowledge of our need of it. It's the grace that goes before. So an infant doesn't know they need grace, but we're baptizing them in celebration of the grace we know is there, even though they don't know they need it, right? If we're in a church that doesn't baptize infants, but baptizes after a profession of faith or a personal experience of salvation, we are celebrating God's justifying grace in the life of that person. And that's the grace that bridges the gap between us as sinners and God as holy. All right. So it's the same celebration of God's grace in different forms. For infants, we recognize all the grace that you're ever going to need is already present in your life. And most of the churches who celebrate that way then offer confirmation or membership following a profession of faith later in that child's life. For saved individuals that are being baptized, we recognize the grace that has called you into a personal relationship with Christ that you are aware of. And there are more complexities, of course, than this, but that's just kind of a simple explanation I often use. And my hope in ending this way, spending time doing this kind of at the end of this podcast episode is really just only this. Don't, please don't. No matter what you feel about baptism, and we have some people have very strong personal convictions about it. That is fine. But don't let the enemy divide you from other believers over the specifics of baptism. There is a freedom for us in how we carry out baptism. And I just want to encourage you in that, um, that there's room at the table for multiple understandings of what the right way to honor God in baptism is. Okay, I'll get, I'll get off of that now. And we will wrap up with our so what. Step five in the method is called so what. And I wrote this as my key takeaway. I put, remember your baptism. Remember what it means. Give thanks to God for his acceptance and his gifting. I would love to hear your takeaway. Unless you're going to be mean to me about baptism and then I don't. Don't want to hear it. No, you email me anytime with any questions, concerns, or complaints at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe to the show. It just helps the show a lot, and I just appreciate it if you do it. And if someone came to mind today, maybe you'd like to share this out with them. That's another great way to support the show. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it to the end, thank you for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.